Happy Friday and welcome to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of five things you should know about. For today's episode, we are focusing on just one topic. It's one that we kicked off with yesterday's episode on stress relief tips for AEP. We're talking about mental health, dealing with stress and anxiety, and practicing mindfulness and self-compassion, all while still making the most of the annual enrollment period. If you missed yesterday's episode on stress relief tips, we will link to it in the notes so you can listen to that as well. Part of the reason why I wanted to delve into this topic today is because we are living in a very different time than we were last AEP, or even two AEPs ago. I hate to say unprecedented because I feel like we've been playing that on repeat during the pandemic, but it's a consideration to keep in mind. We're in our second AEP with COVID, and we're dealing with a lot right now. Kids' vaccines are almost out, booster shots are here, we're still wearing masks, inflation is growing, and the pileup of storage containers in the L.A. port is too. And that's just a handful of the headlines right now. It is 1,000% understandable that we are feeling stressed or anxious in this moment. So today, I want to invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose and let it out through your mouth. We're going to talk about some tips for fighting stress and anxiety so you can do your job and still enjoy your life during AEP. It shouldn't be a choice between one or the other. You do have the ability to do both. So here we go with number one. Now, let me preface this by saying, if you're stressed, you likely know that you're stressed, unless you don't, because sometimes it can sneak up on you. And with the unprecedented time that we currently live in, there's a lot more uncertainty than normal, and it's had an effect on us. A brand new study was released this week entitled Stress in America 2021. It was conducted by the Harris Poll on behalf of the American Psychological Association, and it's all about stress and decision-making during the pandemic. So good news, 70% of people surveyed were confident that everything would work out once the pandemic ended, and 77% said they were faring well. But for 32% of adults, day-to-day decisions are a struggle, as well as major life decisions. Millennials, in particular, are struggling the most, with 48% likely to struggle. That is compared to 37% of Gen Z, 32% of Gen X, 14% of boomers, and 3% of older adults. Parents are struggling, especially those who have kids who are currently unvaccinated, so the under-12 set. But it's not just the health of their children that is making them stressed. Family responsibilities and relationships are the two biggest sources of stress. And then there's race. Asian adults, Black adults, and Hispanic adults are all facing more stress than non-Hispanic white adults. 
There are well-documented racial disparities that have come along with this pandemic and have come to light during this pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic has added stress to our lives on so many levels. There have been changes to our habits, behaviors, even the way we live our lives and are able to interact or not interact with each other. But pandemic aside, mental health is so important to overall health. That's something we've really started to see, and we are just scratching the surface of talking about it, as well as brainstorming and sharing ideas for how to cope. And it is a very important focus here on the podcast. We know that work of any kind can be stressful. Throw in a busy season and there's the potential for stress, worry, and anxiety. It's a normal thing that every one of us faces. And that brings us nicely to number two. Stress, worry, and anxiety are things that we all suffer from at some point in our lives. But how do we tell the difference? I want to identify the nuances between them because I've got to admit, even I get confused or refer to the wrong condition from time to time. Dr. Luana Marquez explained the differences between the three conditions in an interview with the New York Times, and we will be linking to that PDF in the notes. She is an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and the president of the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. This is how she defines worry, stress, and anxiety. Worry takes place in the mind. Stress takes place in the body. Anxiety happens in both. Interestingly enough, Worry is a calming mechanism that your mind implements in order to essentially calm down an unpleasant or negative thought. Worry can be functional because there is an element of problem-solving accompanying it. However, when we get stuck in a cycle of thinking about a problem, well, it's no longer beneficial. And if you've suffered from circular thinking, you likely know that. I know I do. Stress, on the other hand, is physical. It's the body's response to a threat, so think sweaty palms, shallow breath, and a rapid heart rate. Your body releases adrenaline to help you through that time of an elevated threat, and then delivers cortisol to calm everything down. Increased levels of stress or chronic stress can throw other parts of your body out of whack. Maybe it's an upset stomach at first, but that can lead to digestive issues. There's an increased risk of heart disease from the elevated blood pressure and a weakened immune system. How does anxiety fit into this equation? According to Dr. Marquez, quote, Anxiety is what happens when you're dealing with a lot of worry and a lot of stress. Anxiety, in some ways, is a response to a false alarm, end quote. Basically, a stimulus can cause a mental reaction that I misperceive and then I take that misperception and build on it, making it bigger in my mind until eventually I'm in fight or flight mode, but there's no problem there. That is anxiety. Dr. Marquez recommends to limit your sugar, alcohol, and caffeine, as those are all stimulants that can make our stress, worry, and anxiety worse. Her second tip is to check in with your toes, which I love. It's a way to reframe your focus. Think about how your toes feel. Wiggle them around. 
It's a simple way to focus your mind elsewhere and break out of that circular thinking. Third, when you're having an anxious moment, distract yourself. Use your senses to do this. And the article has some recommendations like listening to music, jumping rope, or rubbing a piece of Velcro or velvet. There is a reason why those fidget toys are so popular. Number three, now that we've identified the differences between worry, stress, and anxiety, it's time to talk about ways to combat them. Now, first and foremost, I have to say, I'm not a doctor by any means. These next three items that we're going to mention are holistic approaches to dealing with anxiety. But they're not the only form of help available. Talk to your doctor before making significant lifestyle or diet changes. Your doctor knows your health better than I do, and they will likely have even more suggestions than just the ones that I mention here. There's therapy, which I 1,000% recommend to anyone. There's medication, too, and there's no shame in either of those options. If you feel like you're overcome by feelings of stress, worry, anxiety, depression, any of those thoughts, reach out to your doctor for help. And if you've been having thoughts of harming yourself, you should seek help immediately. You can call 1-800-273-8255 to talk with someone right now who can help. What we're trying to do here, again, is focus on the holistic approaches to anxiety that can be used either individually, combined, or alongside therapy and medication. There's not really a right or wrong type of solution here. Different tactics work for different people because we've all got different issues and triggers. One method to combat stress is by utilizing something called mindfulness. Essentially, it's being very present in the moment and aware of yourself and your surroundings. Deep breathing is one example. Taking a deep breath in through your nose, holding it for a count of three, and then letting it out through your mouth. Then repeating that action for a set amount of time. There's abdominal breathing, pursed lip breathing, and resonant breathing, to name just a few specific breathing techniques. But there are many more that you can choose from based on how they work for you. Other mindfulness tactics include body scanning, guided meditation, muscle relaxation, and active listening. We will be linking to an article from Psych Central that includes definitions of each of these techniques and links to the specifics on how to tailor them for you. Number four, let's talk about worry. This is something that we all do, but it's easy for our worries to get the better of us. At least, it's easy for me. As a writer, one thing I've learned over time is that getting my thoughts down on paper and out of my head can be incredibly therapeutic. You don't have to write anything long-winded or composition-worthy either. You can simply ask yourself a few questions and jot down the answers. Our list of questions comes from a Forbes article on worry and stress, which I highly recommend reading through. There's a lot of good info in there. But the questions go like this. What is worrying you exactly? Are those worries realistic? How likely are they to happen? How do you feel about the situation? What is the worst-case scenario? What steps can you take for a positive impact? 
The questions essentially guide you through identifying the problem, deciding whether or not it's realistic or likely to take place, and then how you feel about it, what's the worst that could happen, and what you can actually do about it. Taking the time to answer those questions honestly can usually make me realize that I am blowing something out of proportion. But then the steps for a positive impact help me to lay the groundwork for what I can actually do and control in the situation. Again, we will be linking to that article in our notes. Number five, this one is a very specific tactic that I've used many times And I've started using it to help my daughter calm down, and I highly, highly recommend it. If you're one of those people whose thoughts can go off the rails real quick, you are in good company because same. And this is something that, again, has really helped me. It's a grounding technique based on the senses, and there are a few variations on it out there. The one we will be linking to in the notes is the 54321 grounding technique. And I like it because it includes all the senses and it has a countdown, which is comforting and helps me to mentally unwind as I'm doing it. So, 54321. What are five things you can see around you? Name four things you can touch. Acknowledge three things you can hear. Identify two things you can smell. Finally, what is one thing you can taste around you? When you're done, take a good, long, deep breath. Once you exhale, you should have engaged your brain with enough different things that are also there in the moment with you that your mind is no longer spinning. At least that is what I have found. We'll be linking to the article on this exercise in our notes, and there's a nice little graphic there that you can print out and keep by your desk, or you can create your own as a reminder. Now it's time for our bonus. One thing that I have found over the years is that I really enjoy cute cat videos. No judging, we all have animal videos that we love and identify with. My TikTok feed is absolutely brimming with cats and kittens being either absolutely ridiculous like my black cat Jinx or incredibly adorable like my little gray cuddlebug Knox. Side note, today is National Cat Day, so feel free to check out my Instagram for some shameless photo dumps of the both of them. But back to TikTok. I do follow mostly cats on there, but there is one little pug that I've started following. His name is Noodle and you might have heard of him. You might not have. Noodle is a 13-year-old pug, and every day his owner holds him up and then lets him go to see if he stands up on his own or if he just collapses back into his bed. If he stands, it's a bones day. If he falls back into his bed, it's a no bones day. But here's the distinction I love about this. A bones day is a really awesome day where you tackle all the things, even if they're tough. You treat yourself. You attack the day with arms wide open, ready to conquer it. A no bones day is a day to give yourself extra kindness. You say, it's okay that I'm feeling a little off. It's just a no bones day. Not necessarily a bad day, though. Just a day to show a little more self-care, self-compassion, and kindness. 
It's okay to take that long bubble bath or wear sweatpants. If I'm being honest, that level of kindness is something we can all use now and again. And in the midst of a pandemic that we're not sure when it will end, Noodle the Pug has given us permission to be kind to ourselves. And that is all I have for you this week. Be sure to check out the notes for the resources I mentioned in today's episode and take care. Be kind to yourselves. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Jack Clark. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 